Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. go stand with me well that's a uh, video malfunction uh well i'm not sure what's coming up but i'll try to make something up before the day's over all right say this is my bible i am what it says i am i have what it says i have i can do what the bible says i can do today i'll be taught the word of god and i boldly confess my mind is alert my heart is receptive And I will never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, you can be seated. Welcome all of you watching online. Um, I've been doing this series on on, uh, the five up factors in everybody's lives. And there are probably more than this, but I chose five that I feel like are uh, very important. And the first week, I talked about shut up your doubt that every one of us have issues with doubt, doubt if things are going to get better, doubt if, uh, you know, things are going to work out, doubt if I'm going to get a promotion, I doubt you, that, 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 that. So you have to first shut up all the doubts in your life because that's not faith-filled. And and without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so it's not that God uh, is not going to love you. It's not that God is going to change uh, your name or erase it out of the book of life if you're giving your life to him. But uh, it's very important that we address doubts in our lives. And so that was week one and two, actually. This is week three. Today I'm going to talk about wake up your faith. Now, everybody has faith. The question is, what do you have faith in or who do you have faith in? That's the question. Uh, a lot of people put faith in their job. I have faith that I'm going to keep my job. I have faith that I'm going to keep my house. I have faith that my car is going to start. I have faith that the electricity is going to stay on this time of year in Oklahoma and the gas company, yada, yada, yada. The question is, are you exercising faith in areas of your life that will produce the blessing of God in your life? And uh, are, are you every day waking up and, and intentionally exercising faith in something about your life because a lot of times we get so caught up in the routines of life you get up at the same time every Monday through Friday not every Sunday but Monday through Friday you know people it's it's amazing that people can drive 45 minutes one way to work but can't drive 25 minutes to church but anyway that's just that's my soapbox for the moment I'm getting it out of the way but the reality is that Faith is, is what moves the mountains in our lives, brings the progress in our lives. And, and so you, you, can, you can wake your faith up or, listen very carefully, at some point your faith will be awakened or tested. And uh, every week I, I prepare and I get ready. And then on Sunday morning, half the time I show up and God says, I want you to share this. And this is one of those mornings. Because I was thinking about, People that just have created such a routine in their lives 
that they really don't intentionally do anything. They're just caught up in the routine. I have to get up at this time. I have to drive the same path to work. I have to do the same job. When I get off work on Monday, I got to do certain things. On Tuesday, I got to do certain things. Saturday comes, you're exhausted. You lay, you sleep in, you do, you watch football, you do, which again is just another routine during this time of year. Nothing wrong with that except this that you are allowing life to carry you and direct you instead of you directing life. If God told you one day, I want you to change something, you wouldn't even be aware of it because you're not thinking about it. What if God told you, I want you to do something else today, you wouldn't hear it because you're on like cruise control, autopilot. And Christians that run on cruise control and autopilot, it's not always good because if something goes south, how will you respond? So we have to get up at every day and say, I'm going to exercise faith for certain things today. I'm, these are, I always like to give you something to go home with. It's like children's church. I want you to take something home with you that you're going to intentionally do this week to direct your faith towards something. Because some of you had faith for something 10 years ago, and you quit believing it five years in, and you haven't had faith for it in the last five years, and if it happened, you wouldn't even be aware it happened because you're so caught up in routines. So I figure I'd rather be awake all the time with faith than to be awakened by faith. And this is what happened to Horatio Spafford. The hymn, It Is Well With My Soul, is one of my favorite all-time songs, hymns. It doesn't matter what it is. And a part of it is because of the foundation on which it was written. This hymn was written after a traumatic, after traumatic events, plural, in Spafford's life. The first two were the death of his four-year-old son and the great fire of 1871, which ruined him financially. He had been successful, a successful lawyer, had invested significantly in property in the area of Chicago that was extensively damaged by the fire. His business interests were further hit by the economic downturn of 1873, at which time he had planned to travel to England with his family on the SS Villa Havar, I don't know how you pronounce that, Havre, to help with D.L. Moody's upcoming evangelistic campaigns. So he's on his way to do something for God. In a late change of plan, he sent his family ahead while he was delayed on business concerning zoning problems following the great Chicago fire. While crossing the Atlantic Ocean, the ship sank rapidly after a collision with a sea vessel, and four of Spafford's daughters died. So now he's lost his son, his business, and four daughters. His wife, Anna, survived and sent him the now-famous telegram, Saved Alone. Shortly afterwards, as Spafford traveled to meet his grieving wife, he was inspired to write these words, as his ship passed near where his daughters had died. Now, here is a man of faith, a man who was not moved by tragedy, that when tragedy happened, his faith was already awake. It wasn't like all of a sudden he goes through this, this moment of, of mad at God, though he might have been. He immediately writes, it is well with my soul. How many of us can say that if something tragic were to happen or something tragic happens, are we prepared, is our faith awake to where we're able to address the traumatic event with such faith that you write a song that says it's going to be okay? 
Now, that's someone that I want to model my life after. And I know if you're hyper-spiritual, well, model it after Jesus. That's a stretch. (laughs) I'm having to go a little lower than that because I don't think I can achieve that. But I sure want to try. So I'm going to find someone that has this kind of faith in the midst of tragedy that is not moved, losing all of his children, losing his business, losing finances, all of those things, he's not moved. So, what would your song be? Would it be a, an old country western song, the dog left and truck died and wife walked out and you're going to write a song about it. No, it'd be looking and saying, you know what? It is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. Now, that looks shallow to a lot of people who want you to just be distressed and depressed and all of those things. And I've dealt with many uh, husbands and wives that lost a spouse. And, you know, they, they loved them. They had a great relationship. And, and uh, you know, they, they, they were lonely. And they were... Uh, you know, after their spouse died, and they, they just wanted companionship, and they find somebody, and people start judging them for it. They say, what do I do? I said, it's your life, it's your faith, and it's nobody else's business. Thank all five of you. In other words, what they're really doing is attacking the faith of the individual that says, I'm going to move on with my life. How long are you supposed to grieve? That's always the question. What We always, somebody, for some reason, comes up with a number that other people embrace. What I'm saying to you is your faith will always be challenged and tested. And a faith that has not been tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. So you and I have to realize sometimes faith takes us in directions that nobody else will go with us. And what they're really, and it may even be that they're not wrong. Your faith is just being tested. Are you strong enough and willing to trust God to move forward when nobody goes with you? Nobody encourages you. Nobody stands with you. Are you willing to move forward and exercise faith? That I will trust God regardless of what other people say. I'm going to be obedient to the Lord. This is keeping your faith awake. And realizing that you and I, what we say and what we speak is critical to the future that we will possess. You will follow your words because your words will become a belief system. And you will follow that belief system. But it all begins with words because life and death is held in your mouth and the power of your tongue. So before you open your mouth, think this way. If I open my mouth and say this, Will it manifest? And if it does manifest, is it something I want to manifest? I'm reading this for the third week in a row because it's one of my, my scriptures that reminds me of how to be careful. Numbers chapter 14. How long will this wicked community grumble against me? I've heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites. So tell them as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things I heard you say. See, some of y'all have wrong thoughts. Everybody does. And if you don't think you have a wrong thought, therein lies a wrong thought. Because you have wrong thoughts. Now, when you have a wrong thought, the apostle Paul said, take every thought captive. 
and make it obedient to Christ. One of the ways that we imprison our thoughts is by shutting our mouths. Until we can open them up and speak words of faith. So you captivate, you imprison, you incarcerate the thought so your mouth does not give direction to your life. In this wilderness, what did they say? In this wilderness, your bodies will fall. Every one of you, 20 years old or more, who has who's counted in the census and who has grumbled against me. Now, God didn't kill them. They just simply had what they said. He said, you said your bodies are going to fall, your grasshoppers in their eyes, so here it goes. I I didn't do it. This is just what you said was going to happen. It's going to happen. So if we could just for a moment, this is why social media is so dangerous. People vomit without ever thinking. I read some of this stuff and I go, really? Why don't you just keep that to yourself? I just want to say, shut up. For a week, I just want to go on social media and see all these stupid posts and go, shut up, shut up, and wake up your faith. Shut up, wake up. But what we like more than being people of faith, we like to be people of pity. Feel sorry for me. I'm pitiful. I don't feel good, and I want everybody to know it. Have you ever noticed in social media, the minute somebody starts getting down, everybody starts jumping on board when I want to say, well, what did you do that opened the door? Why are you sharing this? Say, you know, God is great. Everybody go, well, you know. But no, people are, the fallen nature gravitates toward negativity. If you don't feel good and you tell somebody, no, I'm just a little under the weather. Oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Pray for me. I'm going to be all right. I didn't didn't tell you for pity. I I told you for prayer. But no, no, man. Some people, they like being sick because They want everybody to feel sorry for them. I don't want anybody to feel sorry for me. I want everybody to pray for me. I don't need pity. I need power. That's how can you hear me say, I'm richly blessed, highly favored, power to prosper, walk in divine health, going victory, victory, and glory to glory. But when you're praying for me, it's going to get better. You say, well, you know, people, "Uh, uh, uh, what do you want me to say? Life sucks. It's so bad. It's not going to get any better either. Did you hear what's going on in the Middle East? You hear what's in the Middle West and Hollywood and Hollyweird? I don't really care. What I, I'm not responsible for any, though. I'm responsible for my soul. I'm responsible for what comes in and what goes out. Jesus had to deal with some knuckleheads that he recruited. We call them the disciples. But these guys were a piece of work, every one of them. And I'm so thankful he picked them. It makes me feel very hopeful that I'm going to heaven. I mean, they couldn't even stay awake. Basically, when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's saying, you know, could you not tarry? Could you not pray? Could you not? He's saying, keep your faith awake. It wasn't the fact that they were just slumbering with their eyelids. They were slumbering in their faith. He's saying, I'm getting ready to go through more than you'll ever imagine. I need somebody to connect their faith with my faith. 
And for some reason, you can, a seed of negativity or doubt that if somebody says something to you about somebody else, that seed, that thought gets in your brain and it sticks. And the next time somebody says something, it begins to flourish. You never hated the person before. You never even disliked them. But somebody sowed a seed of discord. It's like sowing weeds in your soul that that deal with the wheat in your heart and begins to choke out that which is supposed to be produced in your life. So when you start entertaining junk, especially about your pastor, (laughs) chaff shall grow. I stand up here and preach every week, and some people think I'm talking to them or about them. I'm preaching. I love you, but I ain't going to talk about your junk. I'm trying to help somebody up in here, and truth hurts before it heals. And some of y'all run when God is trying to use what's being said to grow you up. You flee from being grown up. I stay in situations that sometimes are difficult because God says, I want you to grow. How many of you know that when you go to the gym, the purpose is to literally tear your muscles so protein can build them back up stronger? Some of y'all need some spiritual protein up in here. Muscles all torn up from what you've been listening up to. And you stay tore up. You don't give them any nourishment. You don't give them any breaks. You just keep them tore up trying to help you today. <sighs> Honey, he's talking about us. I don't even know you. <laughs> help him, Jesus. Got an ego the size of Montana to think somebody's talking about you. I don't have time to talk about you. I got time to talk about Jesus. I'll take it. I mean, you remember the scripture where Jesus said, unless you become like a little child? I always think about that. Think about little children. When I was a kid, I, I didn't even know we had an electric bill. I just knew that if I ever touched the thermostat in our house, it was going to blow up. That's what I was made to believe. My dad said, don't touch that. I could touch a chainsaw. I could carry a 410, but don't you touch the thermostat. That's going to sit. He never said, that's going to make our gas bill expensive. Never explained it to me. All I knew was you don't touch the thermostat. As a kid, and I didn't even care. I thought, well, you know, I didn't really want to touch it, but now I... Kind of do. <laughs> now that you pointed it out, my sinful humanity wants to touch it because I was told I couldn't. But as children, we don't think about those things because we didn't know there's a gas bill, electric bill, car payment, house insurance, car insurance. We didn't think, we just got up every day and just enjoyed life. And we didn't think about stuff. Little children don't think about the things we do, getting a promotion, getting a raise. We, I didn't even know we were poor. 
All I knew was I wore my older brother's hand-me-downs, and I wore them out. My little brother got new clothes. I was a middle child. I was middle children are going to heaven. I'm just telling you right now, Jesus, I'm getting a brand new robe, and my brothers are getting hand-me-downs. But as a child, I didn't, I, I didn't have a care in the world, really, even though I didn't know. I knew we didn't have a lot of money, but I mean, because I mean, at least I felt like we didn't because I had hand-me-downs. And the, and the hand-me-downs weren't even like from Nordstrom or any, any of the classy stores. They're like Frugs. Any of y'all ever heard of a department store named Frugs? Probably not. And with a name like Frugs, how could they even stay in business? Then upscale was J.C. Penney, and they weren't near as sexy then as they are now. <laughs> and so I get up in the morning, and and I, I just had, went out and we just played ball all day, threw rocks at each other. Fourth of July, we shot Roman candles at each other. We were a very loving community. One person said, in life, you need either inspiration or desperation. You're going to live by one or the other. You're either going to be inspired or you're going to be desperate. And most people live life based on desperation. It's like, man, I got to get a job because we don't have any money. I got to get a job because now I'm on my own. I gotta, and all of a sudden, we're desperate. And there's not necessarily anything wrong with that as long as you know what to do with your desperation. Desperation should drive us to God, not away from God. Many people get desperate and they begin to criticize God and blame God for their position in life instead of saying, you know, I don't have to stay here. I don't have to stay in this position. It's my choice. Very few people are empowered with these words. It's your choice. You grew up poor. You grew up without a great education you grew up on the wrong side of the tracks and the list goes on and on and on and before you know it you hear those words and those words sink into your soul and now rather than having a soul full of wheat you got a soul full of chaff and there's nothing good about that so what you have to do as you begin to speak words of faith you'll begin like words are a spiritual pesticide to to the to the chaff and and, and spiritual fertilizer to your faith to the wheat so when I speak words of faith, I'm growing the things in my life that God wants to be grown. When I speak words of doubt and negativity, I'm actually giving life instead of pesticide on the poison on the plants. I'm feeding those and now they're growing and they don't need a lot of help. All you have to do is be around people in the world or watch a little news network and chaff is going to grow. Let me just tell you something. I don't care what the people say about our world today. At the end of the day, Jesus is already building a new planet for all those who believe. It's called heaven. And so if I get to trade this mess in for that, you think I'm scared? Kill me and I go to heaven. Now, I'm not, that's not an invitation. I'm just saying. And so people, I don't want to die. It's not your call. You're going to. Let me encourage you. 
It's not a time to get sad and just live your best life every day. Get up every day and say, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I'm happy. And your neighbor will do something stupid to try to challenge your happiness. Trust me, the minute you start speaking faith, there will be ten doubters that will come your way. Ask Israel. Ten came back from the land of promise, milk, honey, flowing, and ten of them go, oh, we're just grasshoppers. And it, they caused millions of people to fall in the wilderness because of their negative words. Caleb says, hey, hey shut up. That's my translation. Shut up. Actually, the polite translation is, and Caleb silenced the crowd. He obviously didn't grow up in my neighborhood. He would have said, shut up. <laughs> C.S. Lewis put it best, and I'll attempt to close with this because I haven't even got to the first point yet. <sighs> I get excited about these messages because there's life in faith. And, 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 you know, you may be facing something tomorrow that you haven't told anybody or you've told somebody, but in your mind it's playing over and over again. And let me tell you how it plays. It plays like a horror movie in Hollywood. Hollywood. If you let your mind just go off on its own instead of saying, stop. I'm creating the image and likeness of God. I'm the apple of God's eye. He never leaves me nor forsakes me. And he who began a good work in me is going to keep doing it until I'm done here on earth. And he's able to do more than I could think, ask, or imagine according to the power that works in me. And the power that works in me is a power of faith. I've got to, next month, hi, how are you? Right there's faith, baby. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Just walking right down the aisle like this is it. I love it. You see, your joy and your happiness is not contingent upon the crises in the world, the crises in your family, the crises going on. Your joy and, and your happiness is contingent on your attitude about God and what God's going to do in the midst of hell. And that means he's going to take care of you. Thousand fall at my side, ten thousand my right. It will not come near me. And then if I die, you can say, "Well, he he died." <laughs> Celebrate. You you want to say, "Well, it didn't work for him." Yeah, I did. I went to heaven, sucker. You're down here dealing with winter. <laughs> I'm tanning along the sea, driving a drag boat in heaven. Think they're going to be in heaven? Absolutely. Everything I ever dreamed of or wanted is happening up there. And you can argue with me all you want. When I'm dead, you can argue. I will know. You will only be guessing. I'm going to ask Jesus to let me come back and haunt some of these people. Wouldn't that be cool? C.S. Lewis said, I gave in and admitted that God was God. <laughs> you know why that's important? Because sometimes without us realizing it, we become God. 
You say, well, yeah, well, we can never become. You become the God of your circumstances. You, you treat your circumstances a certain way, which means he's not God. You're God in that moment because that means you have authority and control, and you don't, and neither do I. God is God. And I trust him regardless of how things look, what they might look like, what they seem to look like. I'm going to trust God. That's intentional. When I say wake up your faith, I mean wake up your faith. Because let me tell you something, your doubt never sleeps. I, 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 I dream sometimes. I don't know how many of you have really good dreams. Some of you might, but most everybody has a little nightmare in there. You know, there's something that happened in your life, and you don't know why you had that dream or who, why, some, why was somebody in that dream. That's freaky to me because your doubt is always working to hook you and keep you from your destiny, your joy, your peace. A simple day of just being able to smile all day and go, everything going to be all right. Even if you were the stupid one. Well, I deserve it. I caused the problem. That's why Jesus died and rose from the dead because we are always the problem. It's not Jesus going, I'm going to get you. I can't wait to get you. No, Jesus said, I, I want you. I'm never out to get you. I'm out to woo you. So anything that happens, you can, be, you can create your own crisis. Many people create their crisis. I can't pray because it's my fault. You really need to pray when it's your fault. It's called simple repentance. God's not out to get you. God's for you. And if God be for us, who can be against us? Let me tell you who the greatest enemy in your life is. You. Me. I am my greatest enemy. You can say anything you want to me, and, and, and I can blame you for who I become, or I can say, no, it's my fault. I listened to you. I didn't have to listen to what you said. I don't have to believe what you say. I have to believe what God says. And if I believe what God says, what you say pales in comparison to what he says. Listen to the right voice, and you'll make the right choice. We all have moments where we want to do something different. We're not liking what's going on, and we exit without any direction from God. I have to exercise faith every Saturday night and every Sunday morning, because Saturday and Sunday, as I tell you, are the hardest time for preachers. It's like the devil goes, okay, quadrant, west quadrant, go sick them. Go to the Midwest and make every pastor doubt that what he's going to say tomorrow is going to make an ounce of difference. Make him say something stupid. I don't even need their help to do that. <laughs> I can succeed without demons, trust me. It's a gift of sarcasm and numerous other things. But the devil sicks them on people that are trying to do their very best to help you be your best. That's all I want to do every week. I just want you to go out of here feeling like Superman. Oh, let me be politically correct. Super person. <laughs> We've got to include everyone now. And I do want to, but I, there's still men and women, I think. 
See, there I go again. I'm just saying, I want you to understand, and I want to keep this understanding that faith, spoken faith moves mountains. And spoken doubt increases the size of the mountain. Spoken faith decreases the size of the mountain. This week, as you prepare going into 2023, I want you to write down the things you're going to intentionally have faith for in 2023. Most of us haven't thought about it. And the reason I have because I'm a preacher and I have to think every week about what I'm going to get you to think about. <laughs> and me too. It's a wonderful job. <laughs> But I began thinking, what do I want to have faith for in 2023 that I haven't exercised faith for before? Or I quit exercising faith for it. What do I want to speak to? What do you want to speak to? What are you speaking to? And people will call you crazy. Call me whatever you want, but I know what the Bible says. And I'm going to speak to things I have not spoken to. And I want all of you to get on board with me. This is very simple. I want this auditorium filled every time we open the doors. And let me tell you why I want it filled. Because I think I have something to say that's going to help everybody sitting in a seat. And hopefully you feel that way or you wouldn't be here. There are people you know and that I know that have no church home. And you know what? I really don't blame them because a lot of churches are just mean. They are. They are. And you know what? I'll probably hear from some of them because I called them mean. That makes, and they'll prove they're mean. We should be building one another up. We should be encouraging each other. You'll have to catch the rest of this. I got some words for this next week that will help us understand what those words look like. How many of you know when somebody does something stupid, they usually don't need confirmation? You can look at somebody, close their hand in the car door, and go, well, that was stupid. Why didn't you pull your hand out? They know it. They're feeling the pain of that decision. They don't need your contribution. You need to look and say, man, I, I, are you okay? You're going to be great. Matter of fact, your hand was a little funky before that. It looks better now. You had kind of bigger knuckles, and now that let's just slam the other one and even it out. Don't waste a day pondering all the things that you're overwhelmed by. God is for you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Quit talking about your problems and talk about the one and only problem solver. And his name is Jesus. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying you can't share with somebody and say, please pray for me. I'm just saying if you're having conversation after conversation about your life sucking, it's probably going to continue to have a vacuum effect. But if you start talking about what, what Jesus paid for and what he's going to do and how it's going to work. You have to understand what I've come through. I have to speak to this all the time. But the world's opinion of you and me is not what's going to get us to where we want to be. It's God's opinion of you and me that you and I need to see. Because it's that opinion that's going to define our future. If we will allow that opinion to take root in our heart and speak words that contribute to its growth.
somebody says you're dumb and your grades kind of prove that, that's what you would say. My grades verify that I'm dumb. No, 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 no. You have the mind of Christ. You just haven't begun to use it yet. There's nothing impossible with God. And when you put your faith in him, that which everybody told you you could never do, you will do because you believe he can do it through you. It's time for us to wake up our faith and keep it awake. Keep your faith awake. Don't put your faith in faith. Put your faith in God. Don't put your faith in somebody else that they're going to change. Put your faith in God that you will change according to the need that you need to change. Maybe they won't change. Maybe you need to change. I know I need to change. If, if, if anybody, I'm having a problem with somebody, you say, well, if they would just change, everything would be all right. What about if I said if I just changed the way I looked at it, everything would be all right? If I'm expecting somebody else to change, I don't think I'm exercising my faith in the right way. God, help me to change. Maybe I can be a light shining in their darkness that I don't know about. I used to always want everybody to change. If you just change, my world would be great. And then I went, hold it. I'm the one. I can change me. I can change how I look at stupidity. Is that right? Because there are people that may never change. And if you're waiting for them to change for your life to be great, you may wait the rest of your life. But if I wait and say, God, I'm going to change, I'll be able to handle that kind of thing. I'm not talking about extreme cases of abuse and that kind of thing. I'm just talking about some people are just annoying. And I'm sure all of us at some point in time are a little bit. But I'm just saying, let's just say somebody annoys you. You can still love them. You can still be kind to them. You can still speak words of faith over them. It'll change their life. You can begin to give shape to somebody else by speaking those things that are not as though they were. The Bible, in one translation, speak of future events with as much certainty as though they've already passed. That's what Jesus did. So speak to those things that are not right now. You say, well, you know, I'm a hypocrite. I'm a liar. How can you say that? They're mean. No, that's not who God made them. God made them fearfully and wonderfully. They're awesome people. They just don't know it yet. It will change the atmosphere of a room when you become positive, when you start speaking words of faith. You want somebody to become different? Talk to them like the person you want them to become. When's the last time you looked at your spouse and said, you are absolutely gorgeous? And she's got an undergrounder right there. You know what that is, don't you? Anyway. <laughs> Google it. You know, she wakes up and eyes are, I mean, you know, all that stuff. You just look and say, you're gorgeous. You're wonderful. Everything about you is just awesome. I'm just telling you, it will change the way you think, the way they think, and the way life is. Stay positive. You say, well, is this just a positive message? I hope so. Because the religious people, you shouldn't be positive. It's a fake. They're kind of one and the same here, champ. You know, people of faith are happy people who are positive people. If you don't like positive people, there are a lot of places you can go. <laughs> you can experience hell on earth. Or you can experience heaven on earth. Kind of depends on who you hang with. The Bible says, he who walks with the wise becomes wise, but a companion of fools comes to ruin. Because fools usually speak foolishly. Get around people of faith that will lift you up. 
tell you how awesome you are. Even when you don't feel awesome, you're not acting awesome, you are awesome. Because God made you, and he didn't make anything, this is probably not a word, unawesome. I love you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness and your mercy. Lord, we're so thankful that rather than beating us down and telling us how bad we were and how sinful your creation became, right after the fall, you determined and created a plan to restore our relationships with one another, with you, God. Thank you for your faith in us. In fact, you have far more faith in us than we do in you in ourselves. Lord, I speak that our latter shall be greater than our former. I declare the days ahead are getting brighter and brighter. We're going from glory to glory. Nothing's impossible with you, God. With every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to pray a prayer of faith. Those of you that have not accepted Christ, watching online, today is your day. And you've measured whether or not Christ would accept you based on your behavior instead of realizing he already accepted you based on his behavior. He gave us life for you. Not because you were good or I was good, but because he's awesome. He sees that he made you in his image and likeness, and there is greatness inside you. There's skill inside you. There's talent inside you. There's everything that is imaginable that you've not imagined because you've been living your life in doubt, believing what somebody else said instead of what God said about you. I want all of us to pray this prayer together. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin, and I declare today I am saved by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Those of you that prayed that prayer and said, man, I need to make a statement of faith, I want you to text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310. You see, it's not whether I believe you're saved or not. It's whether or not you accept the salvation of God. There'll be people that tell you, you're not saved. How could you be saved and act that way? The same reason you're saved and acting the way you're acting right now. <laughs> you see, this is not about impressing other people or convincing other people. That's not what this is about because stupid will be around when Jesus returns. It will remain. And the beauty of it is, that's why Jesus died, to help us deal with stupid. So you're okay, okay? Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Or join us online. God bless you.